You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, start of another week here on the Locked On Kings podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, the final Monday of 2019. Hard to believe this year is coming to an end and this decade is coming to a close. But we've had a lot of fun here as this is the decade that this podcast and podcast network was born. It's grown exponentially over the last three years that I've been hosting, over the last five years of its existence. And we have only you, the listeners and the fans of the Sacramento Kings and the fans of all of the NBA uh, to thank for that growth and that success, hoping for much better things in 2020 and beyond, not just for the podcast network, but also for the Sacramento Kings. Kings, who unfortunately didn't have themselves too good of a weekend. We'll talk about the two games that they lost. Dwayne Dedman wants out of Sacramento. He wants a trade. And the Kings, yes, are the worst NBA team of this decade. We'll chat about it all on today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season, all off season from January through December. We have in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings all year round, and that does not stop with the start of a new decade. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last five years, sixth season, covering the Kings both as a radio host uh, and a multimedia journalist and reporter. And like I mentioned, going into my fourth year of hosting the Locked On Kings podcast. But more importantly, I've been a diehard fan of this Sacramento Kings squad since I was six years old. I've grown up with a love for this team, with an understanding and a passion that is shared by the rest of this fan base, uh, so I can speak to you on the same level. Lots to get to today. Normally, we would start the podcast recapping the most recent games, but the big news right now with the Sacramento Kings is that Dwayne Dedman has requested a trade. Now, he asked for a trade on Friday, but this morning, Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee released an article where Deadman has really spoken to the media openly uh, about these requests and these demands for the first time. And I actually don't necessarily want to use the term demand because normally you hear players demanding trades uh, out of locations. And even if Dwayne Deadman and his agent are significantly pushing the Kings and really wanting a trade out of here, a demand suggests uh, that he wants to cut all ties, that he is finished with this organization organization finish with this team and there's nothing that he wants more uh, than to leave and and piss off he doesn't care uh, about uh, the rest of the locker room that is not the case with Dwayne Dedman today that's been made very very clear uh, by this article that Jason Anderson put out uh, but also by the way I think he's handled this request and uh, his reasons for wanting out which honestly are more than justified now let's start with the the negative aspect of this Dwayne Dedman has been bad this season. I mean, he's he's struggled shooting the basketball, which is the main thing that the Kings were hoping he would be able to do uh, as a stretch big. He also, to be fair to him, might have had the rug pulled out from underneath his feet pretty quickly as he was expected to play alongside Marvin Bagley as the starting center. That changed literally after one game, and he just never looked comfortable, and he's never looked like he, he quite fit. Uh, with this King squad. But there's also the brutal honesty side of things. While he has been struggling to knock down his shots, I mean, he's shooting a woefully uh, low percentage from three-point range, 
both Nemanja Bielitsa and Rashawn Holmes, who combined make $2 million per year less than what Dwayne Dedman makes per year. They both have been playing well, and they both have beaten Dwayne Dedman out for minutes. Rashawn Holmes and Nemanja Bielitsa have both taken away Dwayne Dedman's spot. Now, with a healthy Marvin Bagley coming back as well, he immediately boosts himself uh, above Dwayne Dedman, and I can understand how Dedman might not be too pleased with that, but that's the reality with the state of uh, this Kings organization, the expectations that they have for the ba- uh, for Bagley, the fact that he needs playing time to continue to develop, and the fact that he's a number two overall pick. He's going to get more playing time than you. Uh, And then you have to talk about Harry Giles, who played in his first game uh, in quite a while here on Sunday last night against the Denver Nuggets. So Dwayne Dedman, his minutes are gone, and he understands that. He recognizes that. He knows that it's not salvageable, uh, and he's said as much in this article uh, to Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee. Now, I personally feel that Dedman could have worked here, but for the reasons I just listed, uh, it's not going to, and this is the right move for both parties. The Kings paid Deadman a significant amount of money, more than probably he was worth, to get him to Sacramento. Nothing new there. The Kings always have to overpay to attract free agents. And unfortunately, kind of similar to the George Hill situation, it hasn't worked out. It just hasn't. He's not playing well. He's not shooting well. Uh, his minutes have been taken. There are guys that are playing better than him that can help this team win right now who are going to play over him. Uh, so rather than him just sit there on the end of the bench, collect his paycheck, and, and pout, he's a competitor. He wants to play. Uh, but important to note, he is a still good locker room leader. He's a good locker room presence, uh, and he has not allowed this situation and, and his lack of minutes and loss of playing time uh, to affect his approach to his teammates uh, and his support of his teammates in any way. And I think that's the major takeaway that's important um, to this Jason Anderson article. I mean, of course, it has the quotes from Deadman himself, which I'll get into here in a second. But at the end of the article, which funny enough, I'm going to start at the end of the article, you get quotes from both Trevor Ariza and De'Aaron Fox about how Deadman has continued to be a professional uh, through this entire situation. Let me read some of these quotes for you. We'll start with Trevor Ariza's quote. Uh, he said, I think every player in here understands competitiveness, and I think every player in here would like more out of their situation, and it's understandable. It's also part of the business. Players get traded. Players ask for trades. As long as you continue to be professional and continue to do things you need to do, it is what it is. Uh, Anderson also said that Trevor Ariza isn't concerned about Deadman becoming a distraction. Ariza said he's been extremely professional through not playing. He just signed here as a free agent, and they signed him to a pretty good deal, and he's been at the end of the bench cheering. He's been focused, he's been teaching, he's been helping, so I think he's been extremely professional. De'Aaron Fox added onto that. He said, obviously as a player in this league, you want to play, but he's been great. He still brings energy. He's still a professional. He comes to practice and does what he needs to do. He gets along with everybody, and he's been great. Obviously, everybody wants to play, but he hasn't been a problem for us, not even a little. Those two endorsements right there leave me feeling a lot more encouraged about this entire situation and also make me feel obligated to praise Dwayne Dedman because a lot of players in his situation 
uh, would not have the same approach to the locker room and would probably neglect uh, their duties as uh, a teammate uh, in the when faced with these circumstances. Now, the obvious response from fans, and maybe you're thinking this right now, is, well, of course, you're getting paid a crap ton of money, uh, more money than you're worth to, to sit on the bench. The least you can do uh, is cheer for your players. Just shut up and be happy with your paycheck. That's not accurate. That's not the appropriate mindset to have when understanding the situation that these players are in. Yes, these players are played are paid a, a boatload of money for what they do, but they've gotten to the place to be able to earn that money playing a game professionally because of their competitiveness and their desire to continue to play and continue to get better, and that is a mindset that Dwayne Dedman shares. Dwayne Dedman is not going to just take a paycheck and be happy with the money that he's getting and accept a, a smaller role on a team that he expected to be a consistent starter for. He's not going to accept that. He wants to play. He wants to compete. He wants to help a team win, uh, and he wants to um, continue to get better and grow in his career. He may look like uh, he's in his mid-30s at the tail end of his career, but he's not. He believes still uh, he has a lot to offer a team, and he wants to play, hence the reason for uh, making this trade request to get sent to a team uh, that will use him and appreciate him. So again, I get that uh, that understanding or that mindset of someone who's outside of the situation who says he should just be happy uh, with that paycheck that he's collecting. But from Dwayne Dedman's standpoint, playing and being competitive and doing what he loves to do is just as important to him uh, as the dollar signs and the amount of zeros uh, on the check that he gets after every single game. But let's look at some of the things that Deadman had to say uh, in this article in the Sacramento Bee. One of the things uh, that he talked about, and this is maybe the biggest area where I disagree uh, with him and his statements and, and, and what he said in this article, is he's talking about the shooting slump that he's been in, uh, and he's talking about the shooting slump that the rest of his teammates have been in. Take a listen to this. He says, I'm not the only person struggling with my shot, so if that's a factor, then it's kind of crazy. If you're not allowed to shoot through your slumps, I don't know uh, I don't know how you're supposed to make shots. So Dwayne Dedman is arguing, look, Buddy Heald, Nemanja Bialica at times, Bogdan Bogdanovich, all these guys during stretches of this season have struggled to hit their outside shots. Buddy Heald is currently uh, in the midst of the worst shooting drought that he's had uh, in his career. The difference, Dwayne, between their situation and your situation is, one, they have established roles on this team, and two, even struggling, they're still the best players at those positions, and they're going to require minutes. If Deadman if Rashawn Holmes and Nemanja Bielitsa were were struggling just as much as Deadman was, or or had come in and had just been meh, okay, treading water, then Deadman probably gets another opportunity or two uh, and another crack at the starting lineup, or might have spent more time in the starting lineup to try and figure things out. Instead, while he's been struggling through the first few months of this season, they've been excelling. So Dwayne Deadman, yes. Others are struggling to shoot just like you are, but they are still the number one or number two players at their position where you've been completely beat out. And I know Deadman partially understands that, and I do understand his gripe. I do. I get his gripe. I, I'm a shooter. Let me shoot my way through this. You're letting these other guys work their way through. Let me 
do the same. But quickly, and it, it, you, it's a similar, a similar situation to what Harry Giles is facing, quickly the others stepped up in a way that he has not and didn't, hence the reason why uh, he has lost his role uh, and lost his spot completely. Going on with, uh, with what he said here in this article, he was asked if there's a way for him to salvage his relationship uh, with the Kings and try and figure out a way to stay and make it work here. And he said, I appreciate it. I definitely appreciate it, but I want to be somewhere where I get to play. That's my biggest thing. I'm trying to play, and I've been told I'm no longer in the rotation here, so there's really nothing to wait on. I'll tell you this. I appreciate that Deadman is making his intentions blatantly clear. He's not trying to hide behind... Um, the niceties or the correct things to say in these situations. He's making it known, this is the problem that I'm facing. I'm not happy with it. I know it's not going to get fixed because of the circumstances of this team that I accept. So, graciously, I want out. I want a different opportunity on another team. I want to be traded. Dwayne Dedman, to me, is handling this situation about as well as you could handle the situation. I don't think he deserves to be villainized at all by the Kings or by their fan base or by media whatsoever. Um, I do understand context is important. Uh, so national media might get wind of this and hear this and think, wow, Dwayne Dedman wants out of Sacramento without any context. I'm just going to say Sacramento must be terrible and things must be bad right now if a proven locker room guy and veteran after getting paid $13.5 million a year after signing a $40-plus million contract, he wants out after just a couple months. Man, things must be terrible in Sacramento. No, that's not the case. That's without proper context. Dwayne Dedman's been bad. Other bigs have been better. The other bigs have replaced him. He has no spot in the rotation, so he wants out. And he's made that very, very clear. He is aware of that. So is his agent. And I think fans deserve to be aware of that as well. And with that knowledge comes the responsibility of not villainizing the guy, uh, but accepting the situation for what it is and hoping that the best can happen for both sides. Both sides are on the same team here. The Kings and Deadman are on the same team in this sense. The Kings want to get rid of that contract because they don't want to pay a guy $13.5 million to not play. Like, of course they want to get rid of that contract and open up as much cap space uh, as they can to be able to retain uh, the guys that they want to retain and maybe go out and find another free agent or two in the future. So the Kings want nothing more than to find the right deal to send Dwayne Dedman out of here and get that contract and get that money off their books. Dwayne Dedman, of course, wants out of here, and he wants to go to a team uh, that he can help and he can play on, and according to reports, there are suitors out there that are interested uh, in his services. So what Kings fans should be rooting for is that the Kings find a deal that is right for them, that hopefully they can get a piece in return that can help them right now, but more importantly, the Kings need to find a way to get Dwayne Dedman and his salary off their books without having to give up too much alongside of him to convince a team to take on that money. That being said, because Dedman is openly requesting trades and trying to get away from the Kings, the Kings have lost a little bit of their negotiation power to where maybe it is going to take a second rounder or two or another player um, for them to convince a team to take on Deadman's contract because it still is a significant amount of money uh, to pay for a slumping stretch big. That being said, 
if Deadman is traded and goes to another team, I wish him the best. And I would not be surprised at all to see him find find his way to to turning his season around and just being a, a good three-point shooter, just being good at what he does, which is rebounding, hitting outside shots when the ball comes to him, and just being a serviceable, uh, serviceable big. He could still be that for Sacramento today, but he's not going to get that opportunity, hence the reason why uh, he wants out. I will say I appreciate Deadman. Uh, and and how he's handled this entire situation. He has not actively gone to the media and, and unprompted and tried to um, smear the organization or air his grievances and air his complaints without being asked about them, unlike a sh- certain shooting guard who has done that twice already in the last three or four months. Dwayne Dedman has handled this like a pro and has continued to be a pro for this organization and for that locker room and for his teammates. And for that, I give him all the credit in the world, uh, and I wish him the best of luck. And I hope uh, that for him and for the Kings, a deal can be figured out here very, very shortly. Because the Kings, they've got other things to worry about. Most importantly is the fact that they are still uh, on a losing streak that has now reached seven games, if I'm not mistaken, a seven-game losing streak after falling to the Denver Nuggets uh, last night and on Saturday losing to the Phoenix Suns. It's time to dive into both of these games and recap both of these games. We'll start with the Phoenix game. Sacramento still did not look good, and, and I tweeted this out actually during the Denver game last night. Throughout this entire losing streak, uh, the Kings have been on a stretch of games where they've had opportunities to win and have kept it close and and could have won a handful of these games while looking like they don't belong in any of them. What I mean by that is they have not played well at all during this stretch. Of course they haven't. They're they're playing losing basketball. They're on a losing streak. But they've still been in games, which suggests to me that if they were playing even a little bit better, they could have won a handful uh, of these games that they've lost in recent memory. But also, the fact that they've looked so bad against, honestly, other bad teams is a major concern that Luke Walton and these uh, these Kings are trying to fight their way through. No De'Aaron Fox, no Marvin Bagley uh, in the Suns' loss. The Kings beat the Suns in Sacramento, however, without the two of them Earlier this season, they could not do it again as they fell to the Suns uh, by a final score of 112-110. Again, a final score that suggests that the Kings were in it uh, for the majority of the game, but they weren't the better team. They did not look like the better team. Kelly Oubre Jr., uh, Devin Booker, and Ricky Rubio all led the Suns to victory. Kelly Oubre finished with 20 points, Ricky Rubio tallied 21, and Devin Booker provided 32 points along with 10 assists. Those three were more uh, than the Kings could handle. Uh, The Suns shot 51% from the field, only 34% from three-point range, uh, but they did what they needed to do uh, to win this game and took advantage of the fact that the Kings were shorthanded and are still trying to figure out their identity and really what they are as a basketball team. Harrison Barnes had a decent game, 21 points. Buddy Heald had certainly his best game uh, of this scoring drought with 23 points on 8 of 17 shooting, went 4 of 6 
from three-point range. Bogdan Bogdanovich finished with 22 points. King shot 48% from the field, 38% from three-point range, but a woeful 66%, 16 of 24 from the free-throw line. Had a couple opportunities late at the charity stripe to uh, close the gap and potentially win the game, and unfortunately they left far too many points there uh, at the free-throw line. And that brings us into the loss last night in Denver to the Nuggets, both teams on the second night of a back-to-back, so no excuse for either team there. Of course, there is the altitude situation that visiting teams have to deal with when playing in Denver, Colorado, but I'm not here to listen to any kind of those excuses last night. The Kings got beat by a better team. However, they only lost by five points, 120 to 115, which once again suggests and plays into the theory that the Sacramento Kings play to the level of their competition. They play bad against bad teams, and they play okay or good even at times against good teams. They had opportunities to win this game. The good news was that De'Aaron Fox returned and started at the point guard spot, working through that back soreness uh, that he has been dealing with, and he played 32 minutes or 33 minutes, just under 33 minutes, scored 18 points, dished out 13 assists. The ball movement for the Kings was really good in this game. And I want to talk about Buddy Heald's ball movement here because he finished with a career high eight assists and honestly could have had that career high in assists the night before against the Phoenix Suns. He was doing, I thought, a fantastic job of moving the ball Uh, I I failed to mention that the Kings had a chance to win the game at the buzzer. Harrison Barnes missed a wide-open wing three that came off of a excellent pass uh, by Buddy Heald. He's been frustrated, of course, as of late, not just with his shooting struggles, but the fact that he's been off the floor uh, in the fourth quarter in close games. Well, he was on the floor in that game, uh, and he was doing a good job, I thought, the entire game taking what the defense was giving him, uh, using his ability to put the ball on the floor to try and attack the basket at times when the three-point shot wasn't falling. Uh, And then he used, or he took what the defense gave him, and when the defense would collapse on him, uh, he would try and find the open man and and make the right pass. And he did that a number of times in Phoenix, resulting in a lot of wide-open shots that just didn't fall. This Denver game, they were falling, hence the reason why uh, he had that high assist number. So he and De'Aaron Fox did a great job uh, distributing the basketball. Harry Giles also uh, played 16 or 17 minutes and dished out three assists. We'll talk about his performance more here in just a second. Um, But the ball movement was good enough for the Kings to win in this game. Unfortunately, defense was not there, and this team is still drastically struggling with a lack of identity. The Kings had two. Two fast break points in this game. Zero through the first three quarters. Their only fast break bucket came in the fourth quarter of this game. I know Luke Walton is trying to do a lot of things with this Kings squad. And I know a lot of fans are really frustrated with him, his rotations, this team's playing style right now. The biggest issue that I am continuing to see with this Kings team is that they are not pushing the basketball, and they're not playing to their strengths. I know De'Aaron Fox has just been returning from injury and has only played a handful of games over the last month or so. But De'Aaron Fox is the fastest guy on the court, and he needs to get out and run in transition in order to be successful. Luke Walton seems to believe that this team has other things that they need to focus on uh, before they can just get out and run up and down the floor like we saw last season. And to an extent, he is correct. Last year, the first half of the year, the Kings were running every team out of the gym, and that translated to a good amount of wins and a great start to the season. 
Then the second half of the season, and more importantly, the final month of the season, the Kings looked awful because teams made adjustments, forced them into half-court offensive sets. Of course, we know the Kings didn't play a lick of defense either, and that uh, translated into a really bad end to the year, and the Kings not able uh, to close the gap and, and, and make the playoffs. Luke Walton recognizes this deficiency and and understands that these have been issues when he took this King's job, and he's been trying to focus on correcting those issues. Unfortunately, he's spent so much time focusing on those issues that he's taken this team away from what they do best, which is playing with pace, getting out in transition, and trying to score easy, quick baskets. And that is something I personally believe they need to get back to above anything else uh, if they want to be uh, a successful basketball team again. So only two fast break points is absolutely unacceptable, and I can point to that directly as a reason why the Kings were not able to win this game. No no one player really hurt the Kings. In fact, seven players for the Nuggets finished uh, with double-figure scoring. Michael Porter Jr. looked great in his first career start. 19 points on 8 of 10 shooting. You can see why uh, he was a consensus top 5 pick uh, before before he started having those back issues. I'm excited to see where his career goes, and I'm happy for him and happy for Mike Malone and the Nuggets uh, that he's been working out for them uh, so far, and I'm excited to see what he can do with that team as they expect to make a deep playoff run. Jeremy Grant finished with 18. Nikola Jokic provided 17. Will Barton gave them 19, Jamal Murray 13, Mason Plumley 15 off the bench, uh, and Malik Beasley tallied 11 points off the bench. Those Denver Nuggets, they play really good team basketball. They play excellent team defense. Their rotation is fantastic. Now, they do have good individual defenders, but it's how they defend and communicate as a team uh, that has them playing so well and is what makes them so successful on the defensive end that is a a absolute reflection of Mike Malone's skill as a head coach, his IQ as a head coach, and he had the Kings in the year that he was fired at the start of that season. He had the Kings playing a very similar style of defense to where DeMarcus Cousins was the defensive anchor down low, like Nikola Jokic in this situation, and the rest of the team kind of rotated and played around him and his communication. So this is not a surprise to anybody who knows and understands and appreciates what Mike Malone does as a head coach. He has this Nuggets squad playing the exact way that he wants them to play. They've completely bought into his system. He just got an extension, so congratulations to him for that. Absolutely well-deserved. Uh, and this Nuggets squad is a good team, a good overall team uh, because of Mike Malone's genius and, of course, the skill uh, of the players that he has on his roster. And they all proved just to be too much uh, for the Kings in this game. Harry Giles made his first appearance in quite some time. Uh, both Katie Christensen and James Hamm had a, uh, a good conversation with uh, Luke Walton privately after the Suns game, uh, immediately following his press conference. And Luke gave them both a, a better explanation of why Harry Giles hasn't been playing, kind of similar reasons to why Dwayne Dedman hasn't been playing. The minutes have gone to players like uh, Rashawn Holmes and Nemanja Bialica because they've been playing so well. And then when Marvin Bagley returned, uh, he got a healthy dose of minutes as well. Now that Bagley's hurt once again, Luke Walton says, depending upon matchups, we might be seeing Harry Giles more. And we got that here in Denver as Giles played 17 minutes, scored 11 points, dished out uh Three assists, did have five personal fouls, so still foul trouble and and defending with his hands and not his feet 
is still something that he has been struggling with throughout his entire career and something hopefully he can correct. But did go 4 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Overall looked good, uh, and I tweeted this out, and it's really true. Rooting for Harry Giles to be successful and to help this team win right now is in a way rooting against the Sacramento Kings and the front office's decision to not offer him a contract extension. If Harry Giles continues to play well in his limited playing time throughout this season, remember the Kings, because they declined his option, they cannot offer uh, more than what that option was worth, which I believe was just under $3 million. So all a team has to do this summer is offered Harry three-plus million dollars, and if he wants to take more money and go play somewhere else, he can absolutely do that. And it would not surprise me at all if Harry Giles says, you know what, this team doesn't believe in me enough to pick up my uh, my option. I'm going to go elsewhere where I know that I can be appreciated on top of making more money. He's an unrestricted free agent now that they declined his option. They basically waived all the rights that they had to him uh, as a player coming off of his rookie deal. Uh, so if Harry Giles succeeds right now and, and builds up his value, it's almost a certainty uh, that he will no longer be a Sacramento King. And you know what? That's okay. I'm 100% rooting for Harry Giles to be successful. He is a hard worker. He is a great young man. I am very, very encouraged uh, by how hard he has been continuing to work despite not getting any playing time. I've seen it firsthand uh, in practices or at the tail end of practices uh, when he has been working with the other bigs and, and some of the guards in scrimmages. He has been staying ready, uh, and he proved that coming into this game in Denver after not playing for a a long while uh, and looking absolutely like he belongs. And on top of that, Kings offensively ran a lot of their sets through him because of his skill as a passer. All you have to do is get Harry Giles to the high post, give him the ball, and get your cutters to cut and everybody to move. And the majority of the time, he will find them and he will make the right pass, which is the the best skill set that Harry Giles has, and that's certainly something that we heard a lot about him uh, in the season that he sat out before his official rookie year, which was the second year in the NBA last year. So I'm absolutely rooting for Harry Giles. Even if it means that the Kings will, will lose him and regret their decision, I want Harry to succeed. I think fans do as well. And on top of that, I believe Harry Giles can help this team win right now, which really should be the Kings' top priority. So I hope this is not the last we're seeing of Harry Giles. I hope that he will be getting more minutes as the season continues uh, and more opportunities to show that he belongs in the NBA uh, and his career has not been ruined by the injuries that he has been facing. I'm going to talk about this more on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, but I tweeted it out so I know some of you are aware of it. At MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter, feel free to follow me and reach out to me there with any questions, comments that you have at any time. I'd love to get into conversation with you there, or you can find me uh, via email at any time, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. But I tweeted this out, and I'll go into more detail about my thought process and what I mean by it on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. But I said this, I think I found my best way to describe this current Sacramento Kings team. They still have a lot of pieces to make you really excited about the future and to make that future look bright. However, myself, Kings fans, Vlade, the coaching staff, and even the players, to some extent, I think, have significantly overvalued their current ability. We all were hoping that the Kings could be a playoff team this year. Heck, some 
myself included, were almost expecting uh, it to happen. We're expecting this team to build upon their 39 wins last season. And of course, they still can do that. I'm not throwing in the towel on this season yet. But I, this has been a reality check. These last few weeks, actually, really the first three months of this season, have been a reality check for all of us that this Kings team still has a ways to go. They are not there yet. And uh, I think we all had a little too much hope or a little too much expectation uh, for this squad, more than they deserved, clearly, uh, heading into this year. We'll talk about that more on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. To make you feel even better before we wrap up today's show, uh, it is official. The Kings are the worst team of the uh, 2010s decade. According to Tom Ziller, uh, The Sacramento Kings were the worst NBA franchise of the 2010s. They had 517 losses, and they were the only team who never made the playoffs during that decade. The second worst team was the Minnesota Timberwolves, who did make the playoffs one time and had 516 losses. So the Kings had one more loss uh, than the Minnesota Timberwolves, at least here. They still have the Clippers to play tomorrow, but one more loss than the Timberwolves uh, in the 2010s. And they were the only team in the NBA to not make the playoffs. I know that stings. Hey, man, I've been with you through the entire thing, so I understand. You don't have to explain to me why you're impatient uh, or impatient as a Sacramento Kings fan. Let's all hope together that the 2020s decade will be the decade when the Kings end this playoff drought. And that decade will be filled with wins and playoff appearances. And how about a championship or two? For this King squad may not may not seem like it right now, but we've seen with other franchises and other organizations. Heck, we've seen it in our own past as Sacramento Kings fans in the late 90s and early 2000s. Things can turn around quickly. uh, And uh, if things start rolling in the right direction, sometimes it can just be a domino effect and it can be hard for the rest of the league to stop. Let's hope that happens for the Kings. They're certainly due. uh, And maybe uh, maybe it's just the optimist Matt George talking here. But I still believe that the good days are coming and that the 2020s decade can be wonderful. Uh, for the city of Sacramento and for these fans and this organization. That will do it for today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Please take the opportunity to rate and review this podcast if you have uh, the ability to do so. Best place to do that is on the iTunes Store, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. But wherever you listen to this podcast, if there's a chance or an area uh, to leave a review, please do that. It helps us out a ton here on the Locked on Kings podcast and the Locked on Podcast Network. Uh, Also, respond to anything that we talked about on today's podcast. Also, do me a favor, help me out, and potentially get mentioned on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings. Whether it's over Twitter, at MadGeorgeKHDK, or over email, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com, share me your personal favorite memory for the Sacramento Kings over this decade. Now, I know it's been a long, hard decade for Kings fans, but there have been some great moments and some bright spots. So send me your favorite memory of the last 10 years uh, with this Sacramento Kings squad. All answers welcome, and I'll read some of them off, some of my favorites uh, on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Until then, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.